the Holy Gospel according to St. John, the 13th chapter, beginning with the first verse. Glory to you, O Lord. Now before the festival of Passover, Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart from this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The devil had already put it into the heart of Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray him. And during supper, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God, got up from the table, took off his outer robe, and tied a towel around himself. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was tied around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus answered, You do not know what I am doing now, but later you will understand. Peter said to him, You will never wash my feet. Jesus answered, Unless I wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, One who has bathed does not need to wash except for the feet, but is entirely clean. And you are clean, though not all of you. For he knew who was to betray him. For this reason, he said, not all of you are clean. After he had washed their feet, had put on his robe, and had returned to the table, he said to them, Do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for that is what I am. So if I, your teacher and Lord, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have set you an example that you also should do as I have done to you. Very truly I tell you, servants are not greater than their master, nor are messengers greater than the one who sent them. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. Skipping down to verse 31. Now the Son of Man has been glorified, and God has been glorified in him. If God has been glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and will glorify him at once. Little children, I am with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and as I said to the Jews, so now I say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. I give you a new commandment, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also should love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, O Christ. Christ. <clears throat> my sermon text tonight is from the Gospel lesson, John chapter 13. Verses 1 through 17, and then verses 31b, or the second half of that, to verse 35. <clears throat> My sermon title for this evening is, Love is as love does. Love is as love does. Love is at, absolutely at the heart of who God is. And love is absolutely at the heart of who we are as God's children. 
In a world of hatred, violence, and bloodshed, we love. In a world of division, dissension, strife, and party spirit, we love. In a world of racism, sexism, ageism, and homophobia, we love. In a world of jealousy, envy, and petty bickering, we love. In a world of judgmentalism, gossip, resentment, and bearing grudges, we love. Love is the strongest force in the universe. Indeed, love created the universe and continues still to hold it together. In his last night of life here on earth, when all the chips are down, and when Jesus knows that what he says last will be recorded as his final will and testimony and will be remembered most, he chooses among all possible topics love. The context is verse number one. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The commandment is verse 34. I give you a new commandment, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also should love one another. The witness is verse 35. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. The context, my friends, is Jesus. Jesus loving us. The commandment is us, our mutual love for one another. The witness is the world. All those who see our mutual love for one another will know that we are Jesus' disciples. The centrality of love is found throughout Scripture. The first letter of John says twice, God is love. The Gospel of John says, for God so loved the world that he gave. Jesus said the two greatest commands of all are to love the Lord thy God and to love thy neighbor as thyself. Paul wrote that of the nine fruits of the Spirit, the first of these is love. Paul also observed that any of the 613 commandments of God found in the Torah or law that you can name can be summed up in this one sentence, love your neighbor as yourself. When discussing spiritual gifts, after enumerating them all, Paul says, I will show you a still more excellent way before concluding, so faith, hope, and love abide. These three, but the greatest of these is love. Solomon says in Proverbs, love covers all offenses. And in Ecclesiastes, love is as strong as death. Peter's concluding exhortation in his first letter reads, Above all, my brothers and sisters, hold unfailingly your love for one another. And knowing the human propensity, to pay lip service to love while not actually doing it, Paul challenges us, love is patient, Love is kind. Love is not jealous or boastful. It is not arrogant or rude. Love does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrong, but rejoices in the right. And perhaps John calls us to account most uncompromisingly. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother or sister, he is a liar. 
For he who does not love his brother or sister whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. Jesus, in this section of text before us tonight, further ties speech and action together. That is, word indeed disallowing us to say we love with our lips and yet not act lovingly with our actions by bestowing upon us a humble act of service, even as he teaches about love, namely foot washing. You can't just say you love your neighbor. You have to serve them. You can't just serve them in a clean, sterile, sanitary manner either. You have to clean the dirt off their feet. In our age of socks, pantyhose, and shoes, this specific example might be outdated, but not humility, not service, not expressing ourselves to the metaphorical dirt, dust, and grime of somebody else's life, somebody else's lot in life. Those things, my friends, are never antiquated. Unless we stop at authentic, humbling, sleeves rolled up, down in dirty sacrificial service and think we're done, off to the showers and approved, Jesus will shortly elaborate even further. No greater love hath a person than this, than they lay down their life for their friends. Love beckons us to lay down our lives. Jesus ties the knot between talking the talk and walking the walk in verse 17. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. The old campfire song says what? And they'll know we are Christians by our love, by our love. And they'll know we are Christians by our love. The old adage remains arresting. One person out of 100 actually reads the Bible. The other 99 read the Christian. Read you. Read me. So how are we doing at love? How are we loving our spouse, our child, our parent? How are we loving our sibling? Our friend, our coworker, our fellow church member, a stranger. How are we loving, as Jesus commands in the Sermon on the Mount, our enemies? Is our love being demonstrated in concrete acts of humble service? If we are not literally washing someone's feet, are we assisting them towards healing, cleansing, and restoration? When our brother or sister's character is maligned around us, do we laugh and join in and judge? Or do we remember and actually say out loud, I have a log in my own eye which prevents me from judging the speck in theirs? Nothing is greater than love. Nothing is more important than love. To love is our greatest challenge, our highest calling, our most noble endeavor and achievement, our most divine assignment, our truest identity. Love washed feet tonight. Love took bread and wine 
and made a new covenant of forgiveness tonight. Love prayed while others slept. Love was betrayed with a kiss. Love was denied three times before the cock crowed once. Love healed the severed ear of an officer trying to arrest it. Love faced trumped-up charges and was found guilty while bereft of family and friends. Love refused to call on 12 legions of angels to escape its unjust and innocent demise. Love will spend the night behind bars tonight. Love will be beaten, whipped, and scourged tomorrow. Love will be mocked and taunted and tortured tomorrow. Love will have its objects ask for a murderer instead of it. Love will be forced to walk its final grueling steps with a hundred pounds of wood on its scarred, bloody back. Love will have thorns foisted on it, nails thrust through it, and a spear pierce it. Love will not fight back, will not respond in kind, but will publicly suffer silently. When love does finally speak, it will ask for forgiveness for those who crucify it. Love will ask the universe why it has been forsaken. Love will watch as the sun refuses to shine and darkness covers the face of the deep. Love will bow its head, give up its spirit, and breathe its last. Love will die. Love will be taken down, wrapped up, and buried. That is what love did. That is who love was. For now, the world continues to turn. And life goes on. And so we watch. And so we wait. <laughs>